Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truths from a Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 301. Today, I'm joined by our good buddy, Greg Litzinger, for part two of our listener Q&A, so stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you are doing well hope you are feeling fine and uh i'm feeling pretty good because um my season kicks off here a what is this today wednesday so thursday friday saturday so three days i guess so saturday i get my season um season cranking truthfully i haven't even looked at the weather yet to see what it's gonna what it's gonna be like um i think the plan tentatively is to go out and see if we can't uh, fill the freezer early. It's always kind of the truthfully, that's always kind of the game plan at the beginning of every year. Um, and, and then I get focused on chasing a buck or some bucks and I let that kind of go by the wayside. So I'm making kind of a mental shift this year where it's just being completely honest. I don't really have anything right now that I'm aware of that really is piquing my interest locally. 
Uh, there's some cameras I have to check yet uh, that maybe I'll get out, uh, you know, before Saturday and check some of those areas just to see if there's anything that might be on an early season pattern that I can exploit. Uh, but right now there, there isn't, there's some good deer in uh, one of the other places I've been kind of scouting and stuff like that. So there's some hammers. Um, but I'll need to wait a few weeks until we can start really thinking about that. We're thinking about it, I guess I should say, and kind of making a game plan. Um, but not really able to act on it, um, quite yet. Cause that area will open, you know, the typical state opener here for PA, which is, you know, right around the beginning of October end of September. I don't remember exactly what date uh, it falls on this year. Sometimes it falls in October, some the first, sometimes it falls the last weekend of September, just depends on how the calendar works out. So locally right now, it's looking like it's going to be some, uh, some doe hunting uh, is really what's on the, is really what's on the docket. But the good news is I'm all kind of dialed in because I just, you know, recently got back from the Idaho trip. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I did a, we did a podcast in the mountains and I kind of, and then I did a, a little bit of a recap at the end because we were all kind of spread out. That was in episode 300. So if you want to check that out and see how Idaho went and what the deal was with Idaho, you can check that podcast out. But otherwise, man, I'm really just kind of getting jonesed up for, uh, for whitetail season. I really, I hadn't really let myself start thinking about whitetails until I got back from, until I got back from Idaho, um, and uh, just because that was, you know, I was super stoked to be going to be going to Idaho for, you know, for for one and chasing elk. Um, but two, I, I've tried to take a little bit more of a measured approach this year and not let myself get too jazzed up about deer that I'm I am or I am not seeing uh, this time of year. Um, the one thing I do need to do here in the early part of the season is I need to make another kind of walk about as I need to go through and kind of check some cameras and just kind of retake inventory of the white oaks that I know that are in the area, um, and what's producing, what's not producing. Cause I've really not had a chance to do that. I did a little bit of that in the North piece. Uh, the last time I was there kind of made some notes about, you know, what, uh, what trees and what areas might be dropping some food. And so I did a little Intel gathering there, but haven't really done that yet. I mean, I know where some of them are, you know, locally to me, I just need to kind of go through and see if they're producing or not, um, this year, cause last year, you know, the one area that I really had a great opportunity, um, I just showed up, I just showed up late to be honest with you. Um, you know, is an area that has, uh, some white Oaks and they were dropping, they had, they weren't, they didn't the year before. And so I was just a little late to the game on that by a couple days and they just got hammered. And the one deer I really was trying to kill was in there a lot. I want to say he was in there like three days in a row, um, as daylight was breaking in the morning. And this was, you know, like last week of September, um, in my area, since I can hunt, hunt that time frame. Um, so I'm going to try not to let that mistake happen again this year and kind of do some, uh, do a run through and see what's, what's dropping, what's, and what's not dropping in those areas. So, but with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into, um, to today's show. I have a cool show for you guys today. So a few weeks ago, I had released a part one of Greg and I doing a listener Q&A. You guys wrote in a bunch of questions. As always, awesome questions. Love doing these episodes. And uh, they usually kind of run a little bit long, so I typically break them into two chunks. And so this is the second part of that session. So you're going to pick it up in progress. And some of the stuff that we kind of talk about today, there's a fair amount of scrape talk in this, which is kind of applicable as the season's kind of getting ready to you know be upon us. Um, the other thing that I thought was, uh, an interesting question too, that we address in here is a little bit about just kind of how you're, how to run cameras, whether you spread them out or whether you concentrate them. And then kind of part and parcel to that is, was a question related to relocating bucks after they shift their home range. Cause that's always kind of the tricky thing this time of year. And again, is why I don't really let myself get too excited anymore about 
what I've seen or what I've not seen in velvet. Cause I've had too many times when we talk about this where I've had great deer in the summer, you know, on camera, um, and in, in areas that I, you know, know to be good areas or potentially good areas. And then, you know, the shift happens and it happens sometime after they peel. And for, for me around here, like the hardcore peel was probably around like somewhere between like the, well, actually kind of right now as I'm recording this, like today is September 11th as I'm recording this, um, a, um, uh, a, a, a noteworthy day for, for a lot of reasons, but it's also the day that I know that I typically, when I start getting pictures of bucks around this time, they're going to have peeled. And so if there's a deer in the area, if he sticks around for the next couple of weeks, he's probably going to be someone who's going to be a player in the fall. If he disappears, you know, then it's kind of uh, business as usual, you know, they're going to, they're going to take off. So, um, you know, this time of year, you know, and how you kind of relocate deer and, and so forth becomes kind of a, a game within the game. And is also why I don't get too bent out of shape about what's here and what's not here, because the crop of deer that I may be chasing this year or crop of bucks I might be chasing this year, um, could be completely different from what I've seen in the summer. There may, I may have a bunch and they may vanish and I might be scratching my head starting over, or I might not have any, like I kind of do right now. And I might go do some camera pulls and it might be like, boom, all of a sudden deer went hard horned and they shifted into the area. And then you kind of make your plan, uh, you know, make your plan from there. So with that, going to jump into today's show. Hope you guys dig it. As always want to thank you all for listening. Oh, this one's for our boy, Jake Hofer. Oh, oh, he says no coffee before a hunt or wet socks all morning. What do you got? No coffee. Oh God, no. I'll take wet socks all morning. I don't. I don't need coffee to get excited going to deer woods. I don't need to. Get I co- drink seven cups, seven to eight cups a day. Come hunting season or hunting, don't need none. I'm so I'm already jacked up as it is. I don't need anything else making me more jacked up. Man. I gotta have the I gotta have so I gotta have the co fifi. No, I'm I'm cold. I can cold turkey like five days hunting. I can drink no coffee and be fine. Not me, man. Like I've I'm already so- I've already been kind of scheming. Like all right, going to Idaho, gonna take some coffee. Back country, gotta have that in the morning. I don't, yeah. Like if I don't, I'll freak out. Yeah. I gotta have it. I'd rather have I'd rather have wet socks. Now the only way I would say maybe not would be if it was now. Like, what are the socks wet from? Your own urine. Because you drank coffee? That's why you have wet socks? No, nah, because I drank too much whiskey yeah. before. No. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that insightful question, oh, yeah. Jake. Appreciate it. We're really breaking oh, new yeah. ground here. <laughs> no, but we love Jake. He's, yes. he's part of the Exodus crew. We love we love him. Hopefully we'll have him on again here this this fall. He's actually one of those quiet killers, dude, that, that you want to talk about a guy that knows his stuff about scrapes. Yeah. Like, you won't find a guy get more fired up about scrapes than Jake. And there's been a running joke at Exodus for years. Like if you need a big deer killed from the Exodus guys, like you got to talk to Jake. Yeah. He's the only one who kills him. Like <laughs> until last year. Sorry, like, Chad. Yeah. Until last year. Like they all killed one yeah. last year, but um, all right, moving on. Drew's view um, writes in. Thanks for the question, Drew. Appreciate it, man. Um, is it better to spread cameras out or focus on one area when you only have a few? I think we kind of touched on this a little earlier. That's a tough one. It's, well, we touched on it a little yeah. earlier when I said I'd rather have a few that are in, in good locations than, than a bunch of them kind of, yes. kind of scattered out. So, so my, rule, my rule is this. It, it depends on what you're trying to get from them, yeah. right? If you're hunting a specific deer and you have some intel about that deer and you're trying to kind of 
shrink this deer's mm. core area so you have a better mm. understanding of like how he's moving, where he might be bedding, where he might be feeding, where mm. what routes he might be traveling, what winds he wants to use. Then to me, it becomes like focus in on an area because that's the deer you really want to, that's the deer you really want to kill. Mm -hmm. So that's whenever I would kind of like narrow things down by and large for me though, like, because I'm more of a, a volume guy, it's like, I steal this from Josh profit all the time, but it's like, like a coyote. I like to hunt for opportunity. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to kind of spread them out and put them at the best spots I can possibly find no matter where they're at, no matter how close or how far away they are from each other, yeah. more than likely further away from each other. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to focus on where can I find, Hammer primary scraping areas, you know what I mean? Things like that. Where can I find and the, then, the knockdown food source that's going to be hot in, hot in October or whatever the case is? And then that question could be the time of year as well, I guess. 100%, yeah. You know, if you're you're getting into where pressure, human pressure has been in, you know, pushing in on these deer, uh, these bucks are going to go into the deepest, darkest spots you can, they can find. So, you know, they're... I like to run cameras side by side to cover a large swath of area, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you're only seeing 15 yards. Well, that camera, you might need to see, you know, five years past that and the other camera will help mm -hmm. pick that up. Yeah. But if you're running on limited cameras, I think a general rule of thumb, if you have limited, I would say cover more area than less. That way you have mm -hmm. more hunting spots yeah. and opportunities. Correct. Than you know, putting all your eggs in like a 50 acre area. You know, if you're hunting public land and you've got a couple thousand yeah. acres or whatever, I wouldn't go putting them all over the place. But, you know, I would take maybe 500 acres of that and say, I'm going to try to figure out this 500 acres yes. and I'm going to use my cameras in these 500 acres or, you know, whatever the case is. That's why you're the camera guru. Not the guru, man. I just get lucky and find some deer once in a while. Let's get lucky all the time. <laughs> this one's from our buddy Bo Martonic. He uh -huh. writes in, I saw a buck chasing a doe today. Is the rut on? My answer to you, Bo, is going to be simple. We're going to keep this one really short. <laughs> is uh, I think your mustache says it's never not rut. In quotes, <laughs> Bo Martonic. In quotes. <laughs> it's never not rut, Bo Martonic. Oh, yeah. A wise man once yeah, said, yeah. it's never not rut, Bo Martonic. Yes. Thanks for writing in, Bo. Look forward to seeing your sexy ass. Thing. Yeah. All right. So Derek Scooch. 355 why couldn't it be 365 man why couldn't you just do it all year <laughs> you know you gotta cut me a couple days a couple days short on that man anyway Derek writes in he's operating the mind calendar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice he writes in how do you determine if a scrape is worth hunting over you gotta lick it mm -hmm. you gotta taste the dirt and it see yeah. how see how fresh it is yeah. no I'm just kidding I think you need some coffee right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's size, multiple licking branches, and location. Field edge scrapes, nope. Open areas, nope. Security cover, um, yes. Yeah, all day. That's and that's, good. you know, uh, Glitzky's big on that security cover, scrapes yeah. and security cover. Yeah. You can have a great scrape. It's out in the open in high-pressure areas that this Maybe Iowa's different. You've been to Iowa. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's totally different. different. Yeah. yeah. You know, but high pressure states stick with thick, uh, thick, dense cover, multiple looking branches and either multiple scrapes in the same tree or same area, or they said giant scrape with two or three good looking branches mm -hmm. up kind of high too. you look at your looking branches that are, you know, eyeball level at least. Yeah. 
Yes, I mean to to Greg's point, it's 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 a little bit dependent on where you're where you're at. We'll just take it that you're hunting in just like a normal state, not a big Michigan. Buck. Yeah, Michigan, PA, even Missouri. I mean, there's yeah. very few states that I've seen where it's like those scrapes that are not in and around security yeah. cover actually getting used in in daylight. Iowa being like the very rare the very rare case. Um, all the stuff that all the stuff that you mentioned, and I'll just I'll, I won't elaborate on any more anything more that that you said specifically because I think you covered it, but if you really want to kind of get a good beat on kind of scrape hunting just in general, like where I picked up a lot of the stuff of how I use scrapes to hunt is from John Eberhardt's book, Killing Pressure Whitetails, I yes. think is what it was. Like I read that and that changed, changed, you know, people say yeah. game changer, like a piece of gear is a game changer. Oh, Chad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chad's favorite words. I know. Um, that book, that book truly was a game changer for me and it wasn't a product or anything like that. It was some, it was some knowledge and I, I finally understood mm. like how he was qualifying those things and what he was looking yep. for and what was good and what was not good. Now hunting over it versus hunting near it. That's debatable yep. too. You know, different people have different approaches. I oftentimes, I come from a very kind of hardcore Eberhart school of thought yep. when I hunt scrapes, like I'm hunting that because I think that that's the destination location killing spot. And I'm going to try to shoot to the scrape. I'm going to try to kill something coming to it. There's a lot of people like Glitzky. He will hunt 60 yards off of a scrape, and he will yeah. hunt a he will hunt a a funnel or yeah. something that's pushing the deer that they have to go through in order to get to that scrape. So he's going to intercept them in in advance so hunt, of that. You can sit a couple sits without getting too aggressive with it. Yeah, but I'm not. That's not my style either. I'm I'm going in. I'm going right up on it. And Nathan Killen's another guy. Uh, Killen is another guy who hunts 50, 60 yeah. yards off it. And, and Ryan is, a, like, yeah. a, I won't want to say a disciple of his, but he, they hunt very similarly. Yes. And they've spent time together scouting and stuff like that. So I would say don't necessarily always, always think you have to hunt over it, you know, near it, and, and just kind of qualify what the best yeah. approach is. So it's not always on top of it. It isn't necessarily always yeah. the best approach. All right, Dr. Dino, uh, I don't know how to say the rest of your last name, so uh, we'll just call you the Dr. Feelgood. There we go. I'm going to throw a little Motley <laughs> crew in there. Dr. Feelgood asks, how do you go about scouting food sources on public land and what sources to focus on? It's, time, time, <laughs> time of the year specific. Time um, of the year specific and also just a lot of time. Yes. Um, early season, you have, like say, beans. Uh, as long as the beans aren't yellow, you're you're good. Then you start getting the white oaks dropping in September, you know, and then say, you know, November start transitioning, or you know, mid October, late October, some brows, November, maybe some red oaks, you know, or standing corn, or you know, it's it's area and and terrain specific. Yeah, you know, if you're, you know, in Western PA or you know, Northern PA, whatever it might be, clear cuts, you know, certain age clear cuts, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's so, see, it's it's so seasonal. It's a question. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it depends, like, where are you at? Yeah. Like, what vegetation do you have in the area? What time of season is it? Because I know for me, it's drastically different from local yeah. to when I go north. Yeah, well, even like PA, like Western PA, it's October 1st or 2nd, their mm -hmm. season opens. Yep. New York is the same thing. Yep. But you miss that whole... You know, there's, there's a whole slew of white oaks dropping a whole month of September, basically, before season starts. Happened last year to me. And yep. I, I so there's deer disperse even for, you know, the, the season opener. So you have to focus on where the bucks are shifting, you know, into their October range, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, well, I, I would say 
one of the things that was helpful for me was talking to people that were from the area that, so around here, it's just what Greg was saying. It's, it's, you know, early season. Cause my season comes in early. Can I get like a adjacent close to like a bean yeah. field somewhere that's maybe 300 yards away yeah. that hasn't completely yellowed yet. And they're still going to hit like that, yeah. that first week that my season yeah. opens. And then, cause it is September, yeah. I can start to chase the white Oaks yes. a little bit and stuff like that. And then if they really don't have anything, it's like, you know, they'll, you know, if red oaks start dropping, like they will eat those if it's the best thing that's available. Yeah. It's like you just always have to think about what is the best source that is available to them. And the one spot that I hunt up north, there's squat for oaks in the area that I'm hunting. But what I ended up learning from a local was like the the beech nuts. Yes, like they actually they're spiny, and you don't yeah. think the deer would eat them, but they eat the shit out of them. Yes, know? or the I always call them helicopter seeds. Yes. You know, they'll eat the shit out of those. And they got maple, sugar maple leaves, and maples, they turn Stump yellow. Stump sprouts, yeah. like things like that. Like, there's so I many. I deer and Alleghenies eat mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Like, ferns. Yeah. Talk to Johnny Stewart about yeah. ferns. Dude loves him some ferns, man. You know what I mean? It's like. So, scratching. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, just that, one of the things that's one of the most valuable things for me when I'm scouting and just kind of walking through the, the woods, whether I'm hunting and kind of still hunting and scouting. Is just paying attention to anything that they're nipping on. Yes. If I can find something they freshly chewed on. Always pay attention to your feet. Yeah. I'm like, boom, what's that? Mm. I might not know what it is, but man, I know there's I saw apps, a patch of it over here. There's apps now on your phone. You can take a picture and tell you what it is, tree bark and everything. So I it's got, like. I got that. I take pictures of shit in the woods yeah. all the time. I'm like, hey, what's this weird looking thing? Oh, that's poison ivy. That's yeah. awesome. I'm glad I touched that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and move on. <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks, uh, thanks, Doc, for uh, writing in. Appreciate it, man. Um, Hunting one-year-old clear cuts versus two-plus-year-old clear cuts. I mean, I think the simple answer for me is like uh, one-year-old. I would. Yeah, one-year-old. I'm. I might run some cameras even, over. Yeah, and, even two. I probably. Uh, you might get some young sprouts, but there's not a lot of cover in a two-year-old clear cut. Yeah, it's more um, of like I would treat those as uh, ag fields. Yes, is what I would treat those as, and I would get inventory in and around. Those. Yeah, depends as as, too. If there's blackberries coming up, there's briars coming up because if they sprayed so certain things grow or don't grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to clear cuts. What I mean, are like, the, what are the seed trees that yeah. are left behind? Like, like those like buddy, that. Kenny at those mountain camp thing there. He's like just a wealth of knowledge with trees and clear cutting. He's a logger. And it's like, wow, I don't know anything about what deer eat outside of South Jersey ag. And it's like, I need to really brush up on my, uh, Dude, me and you both. And I, I make this a point every year of like, I need to get better at this. And I get marginally better at it every year, but it's never, I never feel like I yeah. get enough, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it's like, it's, it's two plus if you're talking about hunting it, but it's really probably for me more in that like three plus category is like mm. whenever I would maybe start, start hunting it. You get a little chest high or a waist high uh, brush. Where they can get lost in it, yeah. they can bed in it, they can eat in it, you know. Yeah. And it, again, you have to go back to the question we just kind of talked about. They're changing food sources because yeah. I'll tell you, last year I had a, a cut that yeah. I had banger inventory on in the summer. And it's a pretty decent, it, last year was probably year three yeah. of it, you know. And so it had decent growth yeah. to where, might even been year yeah. four because there was stu- some stuff that was getting higher to where it's like plenty yeah, of good stuff for, yeah. plenty of stuff for bedding and stuff like that. And man, they vanished. Yeah. Like as soon as. As soon as that cut started kind of drying up or other things started dropping, like yeah. oaks started dropping or whatever, like they were, they were yeah. gone, dude. They so were, they were not were out enough of there. food to contain them. Yeah. So, so I think you have to kind of put those two together, but definitely three plus in terms of yeah. like hunting, hunting in and around yeah. it. Um, the next question here is from suffering outdoors. Um, how do you relocate 
bucks after the summer home range shift. So thanks for uh, thanks for writing in. I know this person had had written into me previously was wanting us to cover this in an in an episode. So glad we could finally get to it. So relocating bucks after the summer home range shift. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Short answer. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, you know, yeah, state state area specific, but for me there's there's a big disbursement. Um it, you know, we our season starts like the second week of September. Um not a lot of pressure, but some pressure. That definitely forces some deer to relocate sooner than mm-hmm. they would have, you know, prior season opening early. But it's years in a spot knowing where Buck's gonna go. Um, yeah. first year hunting the area, I couldn't, I, I don't have a, a good answer. It's time and area and lots of camera and being able to spend a lot of time in the woods. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, man, that's one of those things where you got to, in order to do that. And at least if you're in like a, say Northern PA or Western PA where you got 50, 80, 90,000 acres. Phew, good luck. They, yeah. Yeah. They can go anywhere. Smaller or woodlot, they're kind of forced. There's only so many spots they can go. Right, know? right. And you may or may not have access to yes. those. You know, so that's the other game you have to play. Is how much do you have access to? So, and so it's all food dependent. If you got no oaks in a spot that usually has oaks, then bucks aren't really going to re- relocate there because mm-hmm. in September they're still packing on weight, mm-hmm. even into you know the first week of October. You know, I know in Jersey, in my findings about the second week, you see them bucks are singular alone you know doing their thing until you know it's rare on halloween right so i think to to greg's point time in the woods knowing deer behavior too knowing knowing deer behavior what they're going to look for right if it's a specific deer like what is that deer's kind of characteristics like what is he going to what is he going to want i think there's like all hunting questions there's variables throughout yes right it's like what type of terrain are you in? Is it big woods? Is it small yeah. lots like you were mentioning? Do you have, are you trying to relocate a specific buck? Or are you trying to relocate just like good yeah. bucks in general? You know what I mean? Because you had, maybe you had six good yeah. bucks in the summer and all of a sudden they've changed. And they, will, to- and they will disperse far. I mean, I mean, I've, I've seen bucks in a bean field, you know, or even like a, just a green field. And I've seen them three miles away, mm-hmm. you know, come hunt season, you know, and, Three miles in Jersey, that's a, that's a pretty good clip. You know, it's, <laughs> we, don't, right. we don't have a lot of like unbroken timber, so to speak, at some spot. So right. I've seen them like, wait, I, I know that buck. And I got a, a buck on my wall I killed. And the guy had him show me trail camera pictures. I mean, by the way, the crow flies five miles. Wow. And I killed him in November, you know, here. And in September and October, he had him five miles away. Mm-hmm. So he traveled five miles once the breeding season came on. Right. So I was like. Yeah, I mean, I think, so this is just my opinion. It's not gospel, yeah. obviously, but in my opinion, like, it's really, really hard to do in season, yeah. you know, unless it's a specific deer yeah. and maybe he has some very specific characteristics about, like, his antlers yeah. or something like that. And you can pick up a rub somewhere, but you got to be, like, hammering the boots on the ground. Because, yeah. like, you're not talking about relocating him because, like, he's he's not bedded in this area that yeah. he thought he was bedded in. You're talking about a deer that, like, just changed zip codes. Yeah. You know, like, hey, I'm changing from summer range to fall range. Yeah. You know, and if you have smaller woodlots that you can hunt, only 56 acres, you know, he might be 500 yards away. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a big piece of public, you could eventually figure him out. It's just going to take time, lots of cameras. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say the only time that I've actually ever relocated one, it didn't happen in the same season. It was a specific deer that I was 
looking for. Yeah. I had him in the summer. He disappeared. I spent the off season trying to find him. I found a big track. He was a very he was a big deer. I assumed that that was him, and then I ended up hanging a couple cameras in some. I don't want to say random places, but I had a hypothesis whenever he disappeared where he might have gone. And so that next off season, I hung cameras in those areas on a on a hunch, essentially, mm-hmm. that he might be spending time here. Because if I were him, this would be where I would transition to on this piece of public that I had access to. Because I had scouted the whole yep. thing, and I found him. Now, that was two years of, like, I knew who that deer was, and I had spent a lot of time on that particular piece of public. So I kind of had some ideas of where some, like, little hidey holes might be and stuff like that that he might want to transition yep. to. <clears throat> and I had, and I found a big track that I felt like could probably be just be only that that deer, yeah, based on its size. Um, but hopefully we answered your question. It's it's hard to do. It's not impossible, yeah. but it's going to take time, effort, yeah. the easiest a way little to bit do, of luck, a little bit of luck, and it's going to make it a lot easier on yourself if you can run some cameras and mm. let the cameras do some work for you. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm going to advance here to the next question. We've already kind of answered this about water, uh, creeks, and thermals. Oh, Tom Titlow asked uh, for whenever he and I go to uh, uh, Iowa, we're going to try to go to Iowa together potentially next year. We're both going to try to draw. He says, how many cases of beer will we need for Iowa? How, um, how many deer you call? I know. It depends. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. If we kill early, could be an expensive trip. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hopefully it is, you know, always look, always looking for the, uh, for the expensive trip. Um, this next one is from Colbin. M11 um, or Colby M11, not Colbum. What the hell? You're off. <laughs> I'm terrible. You're off. <laughs> uh, Colby M11. How to scout public land with limited water, no ag, mostly hardwoods, tons of acorns. Sounds about like what I deal with, with the exception of acorns. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds exactly what I deal with, except not. Except <laughs> no food yeah. at all. Um, um, you want to go first? If there's no water, so you got land access. And what was the other part? Big woods, mature woods? Uh, limited water, no ag, mostly hardwoods. Mostly hardwoods. Yeah. Fine edge cover. Um, secluded edge cover. Um, either boots on the ground style or with the mapping software. Uh, and like Spartan Forge has that UAV map, which mm-hmm. is super detailed, yeah. up to date, and look for edges. Any type of something a tree growth you know uh, certain groups of trees grouped together anything that's going to create uh some type of habitat you know what is that transition or what's the word i'm looking for edge yeah what's the the two edges are two types of terrain meet it's not edge cover what's the actual oh i don't know what the what the hipster name is for that (laughs) (laughs) i just say it's like that's where two things come together yeah transition lines and stuff like that you know right any type of terrain, um, yeah, deer creatures of the edge. So, yeah, I mean, that's, 
find the hot acorn tree. Right. I, I kind of look at this question almost as, as if you're going into a new place, yeah. right? Like, how do you start? Where do you start? You know, yeah. I think that's really kind of what they're asking. And look, I'm not, you know. You're a good freelancer. Have at it, man. Right. <laughs> a lot better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, lo- a lot of times, if, it, if it's just a scout, you know, I, I start, like, I'm a, I'm a less, less is more guy when it comes to this stuff. I try not to confuse myself because yeah. I spent plenty of time in years past just make, making things way more complicated than they need to be. I definitely do, will do a lot of just map study yeah. on my phone, you know, and, you know, and, and do the normal stuff of, like, get rid of all the shit where you think there's yeah. going to be a lot of people. You yeah. Know I mean, like, just do that immediately. Eliminate the trailheads. Act, yeah. You know, get far away from where you can park. Yeah, and I try to look at, like, anything that's, like, a half mile beyond, yeah. like a half mile and beyond is really where I'm going to start my scout. Now, look, I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. If there's something that's 300 yards off the road and looks banger and a bunch of people are walking by it. I will put cameras in it and I will scout it and I will hunt it. You know, like I will not pass that up. But by and large, I do that. And, and I just, I, I don't make it complicated. I find the first bit of sign I can and I'm usually just like following an edge. Like I'll go to like, oh man, there's a, there's a transition here between, you know, I can see it on the map where the vegetation looks like light green and yep. it's really dark green. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll just immediately go there yep. and start walking that line. Then I'll find a rub or a deer trail. If I find a really good deer trail, I will just start walking it yep. and just figure out where it goes. I'll look on the map be like, well, where would I think what this would go? And you just start walking. And then what you start to do, and I had to do this in that North piece, is like you start doing that, you know, for enough period of time and you start to see some similarities. Yep. You start to see like, oh, okay, man. Whenever they, whenever, whenever I get on a deer trail and I start walking in this direction, like I always end up in a spot that looks like this, yep. or it always has this type of these types of trees. Yeah. Or so he's I don't the hemlocks. I'm right, finding beds, or right. You know. Or I don't know what the hell this brush is called, but every time I follow a deer trail, or when I start to see sign, this brush is always around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so you start to kind of like correlate those things, and then I look on the map and say. Yep. Well, where does the shading look similar? Yeah. And I start to like go yeah. to those places. And it's just, it's just a matter of like a uh, process of elimination yes. in a lot of times. But one, and through that process of elimination, you start to identify things that are consistent. Yes. And then when you find those consistent things, you just, you start beelining it to those places. And then that's whenever you really start to kind of, hmm. you find more spots more quickly. Yeah. I kind of freelance hunt the same way where I just kind of walk in with a loose plan and I kind of say, Hey, I'm going to go to this area. Cause I feel like I can learn here. Like yeah. to me, the edge is the classroom. Mm-hmm. I can go here and I can learn. Oh. And then when I yeah. learn, once I learn some stuff from there, it'll usually kind of divulge a few secrets of the area to me. And then I'm like, okay, I need to go look at this now. And, or I'm going to walk this way now. And that's a lot of times how I freelance hunt. And I'm just literally looking for this for yeah. sign. Yeah. And you also have to understand like sign in different places is different. Like, mm. you know, there's some places like Iowa, for example, you know, hammer sign, like big bucks making big sign. I've hunted places where I knew on camera, there was a world-class animal, multiple of them in an area. And the sign that was laid down in terms of rubs, you would have thought a Fort corn in yeah. Pennsylvania made it, mm. you know? And so you just have to reach out to people who live there and say, Hey, I'm seeing this type of sign. Is this good or bad for the yeah. area? And just under and qualify the quality of sign that yeah. you're actually looking at. So that's how I go about breaking down that stuff. It's not rocket science, man. It takes time yeah. to, to do and some effort and some boot leather. Um, but you do it a few times in the same spot. Yeah. You'll start to see consistencies. Things will start yeah. to pop out to you and you'll be able to kind of go through it a lot quicker. Make sense? Yeah. Last question. Woo-hoo. Woohoo. We're here. No, didn't keep you in like the eight hour marathon like we did the one time at your house. That was yeah. brutal. <laughs> Um, this one is from the narrow way. 
And I'm a, oh wait. Oh Jesus, he messed it up it's, again. Hold on, it's God. either it's either the narrow. It's all one word, all run together. So it's either the narrow way, or then arrow way. What do you think? <laughs> you like this? I'm really getting into these names, man. <laughs> I'm gonna say then arrow way. I'm gonna say then arrow way. I feel like because it's hunting related, arrow makes more sense than the narrow way, or maybe. Maybe it's a narrow path. I don't know. You know, I don't know. This is the last one. Yes. You have to listen to me <laughs> butcher these names anymore. Sorry. Uh, excuse my friends. Yes. Excuse my, my idiocy. Um, he asked, or they ask, I'm not sure who, uh, boy, girl, whatever it is. Um, how can you use cameras to stay on a particular buck throughout the season? I think we kind of covered that on the, on the partially on the yeah. relocation. It, it is a little, yeah. bit, it is a little bit different because this one, you're you're suggesting by the way you phrase this question that you're in his area yeah you know and so for me you know i'll let you um, i'm not very good at it uh so so this the truth be told like i don't do a lot of this like a lot of times i set my cameras and when i move them for october like or for the season you know and i'm usually on scrapes and you know a handful of funnels here and there and and i leave them and i get year-round data which is how i'm able to hunt dates because to me that's the more more important thing but if you're hunting a particular buck, I can see where moving them becomes yeah. advantageous. Yes. And the one area that I, I have done this with very limited success, I, I, I will say, um, is very much the principle that Bill Winky uses. Yes. I learned it from him. Had him on the podcast eons ago, yeah. and he has a very, very like solid strategy of how he goes about finding a target buck and then slowly kind of tightening the noose, tightening the noose around that buck based on like putting cameras in yeah. places and, 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 and narrowing it down to where he's getting the most daylight inventory of that particular deer. So for example, if you're started off, you've got this buck and maybe you have cameras, you, you know, he's living in like a hundred acre area. Let's say for example, and maybe you've got six cameras out, five cameras out, whatever it is. And maybe you caught him on this scrape here. Maybe you caught him in like, you know, the edge of this clear cut over here and, you know, maybe you got a daylight picture here. So you think maybe one of his beds might be in this area. You know, what you do then is you like start to look at what directions is, is he traveling to and from when you're getting him on these pictures, you can start to tell where he started from or where he might be coming back to. And then from there you take a look at like, all right, well, what are the terrain features he's got to use to get to these potential spots? Right. And then you slowly start to backwalk the cameras toward where you think his core area is. If you now start to get more daylight inventory yeah. of him, potentially, you're getting closer. Yeah. If you start to get more nighttime pictures or you maybe don't get any pictures. <laughs> yeah. But if they're night, if they're, if they're nocturnal, if they're uh, dark pictures and you went from, I was getting him at seven o'clock, but now I'm not getting him to like midnight, you went the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now, so it is, it's, it's a long game. It's, it's of, a labor intensive. Yes. And you're having to do a lot of intrusion into an area yes. where you have a target animal. And yes. so if you're wrong about narrowing yeah. that noose, all you've done is just educated him in a high, li- high likelihood that he's no longer going to be yeah. in that area. So you've just undone all the work yeah. that you've tried to do. So I, um, I would say proceed with caution, yeah. you know, on um, public land. It can be, it can be tough as well. Yeah. And Bill's you know, doing it on yeah. a, I don't even know how many, I mean, he had thousands, yeah. uh, like thousand acre farm, 2000 acre farm or yeah. whatever it was in, in Iowa. So yeah. I mean, he had plenty of land to kind of work with that was managed and in that low intrusion yeah. and sanctuary areas and, and stuff like that. So 
that's why I say take it with a grain of, grain of salt and you know, pr- I mean, proceed not, with caution. It's not impossible, but if it's on public, it's a little more difficult than you know, managed land. Yeah, for sure. And to me, this is key where cell cameras come in handy. Yes. That way, you know if you're headed in the right direction or not before you go in, and you're not having to run in yes. just to check. Like you're going to get validation. Yeah you know, remotely to know whether or not I'm damaging things or if I'm moving in the right direction. So, all right, man, that was the last question, brother. Thanks for uh, hanging out for the next sesh. Everyone. Thanks for uh, writing in questions. These are always fun. Always dig doing these. Hope you guys pick something up from it. I always do. Sorry for my friend butchering. Sorry that I'm terrible at, at, at announcing names, but we'll, we'll try to do better next time. As always. Thank you all for listening. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.